You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. All right, Raider Nation. 26-3 win. Raiders down. The Patriots in the final preseason game. Welcome to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast for our live post-game show. No matter where you're watching us, pre- uh, appreciate you being with us. But uh, another great performance by the Raiders, the first time they finish undefeated in the preseason. And uh, I am not alone on this show, of course. My regular co-host, Mo Moten, joins me along with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, who is joining us from... Allegiant Stadium. He was at the game tonight, so we're going to ask him about it. So here we go. We bring those guys on. Murph, I can see the stadium there behind you, man. Let's <laughs> let's uh, let's get rolling uh, and talk about it. So so you're there, and I, this is the first thing I want to get. We'll get into the football stuff. Okay. But, tr- but truly, since you're the voice of the fan, truly, I, I I don't think I've ever seen a entire preseason where. A stadium is as rocking as Allegiant Stadium is for preseason football. Absolutely, the uh, the environment here is electrifying. It's fantastic. After I came to three regular season games last year, this is the first time ever I've been to a preseason game, and I can confirm to you guys that I mean I know Allegiant holds sixty five thousand. I don't know it had to have been upwards of, of fifty, you know, five plus or something that was here, uh, and the crowd stayed engaged all the way up to the very last touchdown when the Raiders took the commanding lead to kind of close out the game. Uh, it was that long before people started leaving. I fully expected to, you know, to be half empty by the time we got to halftime, but it wasn't, and it was great. We had an the amazing uh, 300 members of Raiders alumni take the field at halftime, so an incredible, uh, you know, display there and honoring all of those uh, great men that that that, uh, that that played for the Raiders. Uh, every team since 1960 was represented on the field. It was absolutely incredible. So, anyways, it was a blast. I mean, Allegiant Stadium knows how to put on a good show, and, and I'll tell you this one last thing, if I could. I can confirm this, Scott and Mo, that Allegiant Stadium has the best nachos at Viva Los Nachos. They give it to you in a half of a Raider football, for crying out loud. It's the best food in the freaking stadium. It's so good. 
That is awesome, man. Look at that. I love the half football thing and, and nacho. I thought you were going to say they had mint chocolate chip ice cream, but that's a different story. <laughs> no, but the macaroons were on point, too. Macaroons. Look at that. So I'm telling you, fancy. So let's dive into the football, Murph, and get your view. I mean, clearly this game started off. The defense just dominated. The first team for the Patriots could not get anything going. Uh, talk a little bit about that and, and what you saw sitting there in the stands at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, so, of course, the place lit up when Malcolm Coons got that sack early on. And, uh, and also, you know, I, I put a note in, in here that uh, I wrote down, will Luke Masterson make this team? A play later, 59 picks the freaking ball off and, uh, and has a great return. And, you know, we've been looking for playmaking linebackers, guys that turn the ball over. It's been forever since we had, a, I don't know, Kirk Morrison or somebody who had actually generate turnovers and i'm telling you so we were already encouraged by the play of jayon brown and now here's masterson uh coming up with a big play too so and and i'm telling you and the place lit up i know we had a few turnovers tonight every single time the place just went absolutely bananas raider nation's not used to seeing a lot of those here lately so to see him in the in the you know here in the preseason and especially like you said against the first teamers pretty encouraging it's been pretty fun yeah no doubt so Murph, about i know it. you got i know you Go got ahead, Mo. really quick Murph. i know you got boots on the ground What's the conversation like? Like, what are people buzzing about right now around the stadium? Or before you got on camera with us, what was the talk of the town when the game finished? Well, I think we, uh, you know, Trent Sig is growing out his hair pretty long, and he's trying to match that of Daniel Carlson and AJ Cole. Um, so I think that was that was pretty hot topic in the stands. But no, all kidding aside, outside of that, I think um, Zamir White, uh, you know, scoring that first touchdown. He looked, I mean, watching all the players in warmups is always fun. You know, of course, seeing Devontae. Seeing him out here running routes a little bit, seeing Derek, Derek's fired up, seeing just, just all the guy, you know, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, seeing everybody in uniform, a little bit of chatter about not seeing Darren Waller. And now, you know, we, we of course, we know that, that Darren's looking for a new agent. Uh, so interesting there, and I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about it. So a little bit of conversation there, but as far as, as, far as the positives go, Zamir White, I think, absolutely stole the show early on, and we're all looking forward to see what that young man can do this year. No question. It was uh, it was it was a good time. And I mean, you saw early on, too, with that defense. But then the offense, like you were talking about, Jared Sidham came on. But I was telling Mo before we went on the air that, you know, they trade Nate Mullins away. So anytime you can get uh, some draft capital for for a backup quarterback and rid yourself of some of the salary, actually, Chase Garbers tonight. I was impressed. I know it's the third string quarterback. I know he's probably going to be well now second string, third string. He's going to be on the practice squad, most likely. But, man, I was really impressed with that kid. If you look at his numbers over the course of the game, uh, just phenomenal. Yeah, he was pretty exciting to watch. You know, that, that guy can kind of extend the pocket a little bit. He's a little slippery in the pocket, so it was, it was kind of fun watching him move around a little bit. It's, it's sometimes it almost seemed like uncertainty, like you want to see him have a little bit more confidence in being able to make that throw, not be a gunslinger. And I know he's a young guy and he's got a long way to go in the NFL. But, uh, but I, just, I just love that ability to see a guy like not want to give up on a play. And uh, so that, that was pretty cool. And speaking of that and, and not giving up on a plan, I can't remember. I think it was him that threw it. You guys have to correct me. But uh, Tyron Johnson making a play downfield yeah. for that, uh, that, that big game. Um, it was neat being here because, you know, sometimes on TV you can't quite see the way that things develop. And you got to wait till you get to the coach's 22 film and all that stuff. Being here at the stadium and seeing the way that that, that ball got into the air and he had adjusted to it. It was, it was an okay pass, but more so it was a great adjustment to the ball by Tyron Johnson. And the defender was completely, like, clueless. Like, he just ran away from the defender. Defender's out there looking around like this for the football. Johnson picks it up immediately, runs to it, makes the play. And that was, that was pretty exciting. 
Yeah, no, so, no, so Marv, no who's so, so Marv, of all the guys, not to put you on the spot, but of all the fringe ah. roster guys that, that could or may not make the roster, who's the guy you're saying, we cannot let that guy go because if we do, he's not going to clear waivers to make it to the practice squad. Who the Raiders have to keep as, on, as trying to get that 50, 51st, 52nd roster spot, 53rd roster spot? Well, I, I tell you, Mo, I don't, I don't want to totally pound the table for this guy and be a prisoner of recency. But considering we don't have a ton of depth at linebacker, let's give it up for 59, man. Let's see that guy make the team. I, I mean, why not? I mean, what else, you know, you know, we got Jayon Brown, like I said earlier. We know that he's going to play the majority of the coverage snaps. But we need another guy, too, right? He's got to have somebody to back him up. And as of right now, he's the guy backing him up on the depth chart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Luke Pasterson. I'm going to say that's my guy that's on the fringe that, that's probably going to make the squad. Well, there you go. See, that's that. That's the thing. I, Masterson had had a great night. There's no question. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Tashawn Bauer. We got to talk about Tashawn Bauer, guys. This guy came out to play tonight. Mo, you mentioned him, I think, a show or two ago, and and how well he had been playing. And suddenly, boy, he comes out there tonight. And of course, these guys are all playing for their future, right? This is the kind of game. Yeah. This is the third game, and this is the time when guys are are on the bubble and they got to play hard. But Murph, this guy came out and again just balled out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's fun to see those young guys step up and play for their jobs, as you mentioned. I got to tell you another cool dynamic. This is the first time I've ever been to a million Raider games. First time I've ever been to a preseason game. It's really interesting to see the Raiders take the field and populate the sidelines. It reminded me of going to a college game because there's 80 people on the sideline. You know what I mean? And so to see all those young men and to see all those bodies out there, uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. And, and last thing, too, I'll give you a caveat to that. It was also really fun watching uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and those guys and just kind of their overall dynamic on the sideline, the way that they're still engaged, in, in, you know, in what's going on on the field, you know, encouraging their teammates as they're coming on and off the field, you know, being part of it and not just standing around and, you know, just because they're the popular guys and the guys they know that got jobs. Uh, they were really encouraging all those young fringe players that, like you said, were – and it's something even that I had a thought when they when they first ran out. It was like – almost like a, you get – I don't know. It was just like a fellow, I don't know, human or whatever else. Just like and, – and, and just a huge fan and love of this game. This is going to be the last time that some of those guys ever put on a uniform. And, like, you just kind of feel for that. You feel for them in a, oh, yeah. in a positive way. Like, I'm encouraged for them and I'm, I'm excited for them to get to do that. But then also sad that this is probably the last stop on the ride. Yeah, no question. Yeah, it's Murph. Listen, man, I, I appreciate you being there. What other thought? Anything else that stuck out to you that you want to hit? We want to get you and, and the missus off to some some post-game renovation <laughs> fun. Uh, so, so let us know what else. Uh, what else stuck out to you? For me, again, it was one penalty. One penalty the entire game. This, this team looks conditioned, in shape. It looks focused. It looks like it's executing to the umpteenth. Now, we're not going to even get into the Leatherwood. We'll talk to you about that next time because uh, yeah. we're going to keep it positive with you because you're having a good time <laughs> in Vegas. Uh, but, but, but what else stuck out to you? I, those are the other things that really, to me, just shine tonight for the Raiders. Yeah, I'll leave it to you guys to, to, to uh, take shots at the offensive line afterwards because there is a little bit of regression there. You know, guys, I, I love Lester Cobb, and I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's going to be a great, great player. But, yeah, he's definitely falling off a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you the positives, and I and I, I feel like I bring this guy up every week too. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to call it out because it's cool. A.J. Cole we know has a boot. Tonight he puts one right down here on the 13-yard line, right down here in front of us, 13-yard line. And, like, 
perfect. Like the the days of the coffin corner punter. Like when was the last time we saw that in the NFL in general? Let alone on this Raiders team. That dude is pinning him down here at the thirteen. Like that was pretty cool, man. So I got to give it up for that guy. You know, of course, all the special. Oh, there you go. And there's another thing, Scott. I know you talked a lot about special teams. The special teams returns. Awesome. Um, yes. Oh my gosh, what's the young man's name? Number twelve. Um, um, help me, Mo. What's the, uh, shoot out of the roster, Handy? Had a great return. Fired up on the sidelines. Had an excellent uh, return there. Looked fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, I think the return game and the special teams game as an overall is a definitely an on the upswing. Absolutely. All right, Murph, live from Allegiant Stadium here on Silver and Black today. Brother, I appreciate it, man. This was awesome for you to do this and to 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 give us your reaction. Yeah. I'm glad you guys were out there, got to have some fun, uh, and and now we'll have some fun post-game. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very so, much. Before you go, Murph. Oh, yeah, go uh, the, the Legion Stadium folks, go, they're kicking me out, so yeah. <laughs> I don't want to end up on the news, Mo. That was just- that was Justin Hall, by the way, but really quick, 4-0 for Justin the first time in the preseason for the Raiders. How excited are you going into the season? Are you taking oh my gosh, expectations, I'm... or are you, are you all the way hyped for this? The Raiders have not relieved me of the burden of expectation. It's done nothing but fired me up, Mo. I cannot wait for this season. We're going to go 17-0. Heck, we're going to go 20-0. We're just going to win this whole damn thing. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Let's go. Let's go. Raiders! <laughs> I love it. Murph, man, have That's a good time. Travel safe, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, thanks, fellas. See you next week. All right, right, there you go. Murph live from Allegiant Stadium. Oh, wow. He's he's fired up. I I know. I mean, listen, we we saw the interactions we were having in social media during the game. This is how everybody's everybody is really excited. They have good reason to be excited. We're gonna get into some of the realities too of where the Raiders still have some question marks. Not to throw a wet towel on the party out there in Raider Nation, and I see it's happening uh, on our YouTube channel as well as people are are chatting with us. Uh, but but we we also have to look at some of the other things too. But man, uh, hopes are sky high. People are really excited heading into 16 days from now the Raiders' first regular season game. I had to get one that one Raiders chant out of Murph before he got off, so that's why I had to get that in. But <laughs> one thing that I do honestly think translates, if anything translates, because we know the wins and losses don't from the preseason to the regular season, but if one thing translates, I think it will be the Raiders' discipline. You touched on it with Murph for briefly for a brief minute there. Not turning the ball over. One penalty tonight. The Raiders are definitely a more clean football team than they were under John Gruden. And I think we talked about it last year that a lot of football teams take on the personality of their head coach. So if their head coach is a little frenetic, a little emotional, that's going to be what your football team looks like on game day. Josh McDaniels, we talked about this. He gets to the podium, says a lot of words, doesn't tell you much, very buttoned up. So I think with that, with the head coach and his personality, that's going to rub off on the players on the field during the regular season as well. Absolutely. All right. We're going to step aside. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty around what we saw tonight. Some of the players playing for their football lives, a one Alex Leatherwood, a one Britton Brown. Some of these guys, we're going to talk about what we saw tonight. Did they help or hurt their chances? That's the topic next here on Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere, anybody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, we are back live here on Silver and Black today talking about the Raiders' 26-3 victory over the New England Patriots in the final preseason game. This is the game where we see sort of who might be on the bubble because we see guys play a lot. And, Mo, we got to start. I know Raider Nation's really happy tonight. They should be. We spent the whole first segment talking with Murph being 110% positive now we got to talk about some of the performances which really give us pause and may cost some of these players a job. And we got to start with Alex Leatherwood, of course, who didn't start playing. Uh, we saw Illuminor at, at right tackle for a while there perform fine to start the game. And then we saw a, a, a slew of guys go in there. And then we saw Alex Leatherwood come in. And I, again, we're not on some negative drumbeat here with Alex Leatherwood. I watched, and I just watched and watched, and I have to go back and re-watch tomorrow morning, of course, but he got just dominated most, I'd say, 90% of the snaps that I could see him, right? I mean, he was falling back. There was plenty of times where he got pushed back. He couldn't get his hands up quick enough. Mo, I just, I, I, I'm, I feel for Ziegler and McDaniels on this one because I just don't know what to do with the guy. Yes, move him to guard. They didn't move him to guard. He didn't play guard tonight that I could see. So that tells me that they're either sticking with him at tackle or they don't have a long-term plan and something else is going to go down. What was your takeaway from him and what might be the outcome based on what you saw tonight? Not going to be the dead horse here, but basically the issues that we've seen with Leatherwood throughout the preseason are the issues we saw tonight. You touched on his hand placement, uh, just not quick on the corner. Guys beating him around the edge. It, it didn't look good. I'll say that. I, I don't want to use the word dominated, but I'll say he didn't have a good night. Um, so what do, what do we do? What do? Where do the Raiders go from here with Leatherwood is the big question. I tweet, I retweeted Jeremy Fowler out uh, during the game, and apparently teams are eyeing Leatherwood's situation because they may have interest in him. Now, I don't know whether they have interest in him as a guard or a tackle, but from the Raiders' perspective, this is how I look at it. If you're not going to move him to guard, you got to trade him for something. And I'm sure maybe they not, they're not going to get an early round pick. They're probably not going to get a middle round pick after seeing this performance tonight. You probably, If you're going to trade him, you're going to have to add a pick with him, kind of what they did with Lynn Bowden Jr. I know he didn't play in the preseason. He, he was traded before anything happened there. But I remember they paired him up with a draft pick to get him to Miami. And I think that's what they're probably going to have to do at Leatherwood if they want to make a move with him in a trade. Me? What I would personally do was I, I would just move him to guard and develop him as a guard. Now, the Raiders apparently don't have that viewpoint of him right now because we have not seen him play significant snaps at guard. So it's possible John and his staff don't see him as a, as a viable guard in their system. But I feel like if they do, if they if they feel like they want to try and experiment with him because they can't move him for, for to another team for a piece or a draft pick, then you got to work with it because I wouldn't want to eat all of that money. 
um, that's owed to him. And I know if he's if he's let go, another team picks him up. Raiders off hook for some of that cash, but there's still a lot of dead money tied to him being a first round pick. I would either, if you can't get a trade for him, develop him at guard, and that's that that's my plan of action with him. And, and perhaps may, that's what they will do. Who knows? Uh, but he didn't play guard tonight. Did you see him play guard at all? I didn't see him play guard. So, so I'll watch it back tonight, but I didn't yeah. see any. No, I want to watch it back today. Maybe there is because you know it's hard sometimes with the with the broadcast that you're watching on TV to see if guys sometimes rotate. They could rotate in for three or four plays. You just don't know. So so we'll see or a series. Um, but I didn't see him out there at all. And it's just you know again, um, I I sort of root for these guys. You know, even though I'm sitting here talking about how much he struggled and I thought he was terrible, I root for a guy like that because you don't want to see a young man have his confidence destroyed. Right. But it certainly looks like maybe that's what's happened. So hopefully if they do decide to stick with him, then they will uh, give him the opportunity to play a position that's more natural to him, which would be guard uh, there as well. So we look at the running backs, Mo, we saw a lot of Britton Brown uh, and we saw Zamir white early. I think that was just to get him some touches. I don't think Zamir white has any concern about making this roster, uh, but Britton Brown, I know a lot of fans like him. He performed well tonight again. I just think that he's an odd man out when it comes to that running back room. Yeah, I think they're only going to keep four, and I've said this before. Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, and then Brandon Bolin. I think those four guys are safe, and everyone else is just battling for a spot. Of course, we know they've released Kenyon Drake already. That already happened. Uh, Britton Brown, I think, goes to the practice squad. I think he's going to be one of the top guys to go in the practice squad. Because remember, you can protect four guys on your practice squad if they make it through waivers. So I think maybe they protect him down the line just in case there's an injury. But I think he was good enough to stick around on the back end behind the scenes on the practice squad. Now, a lot of fans are going to say he should make the roster, but you just can't keep everybody. And also depends on how many players you keep elsewhere. And I'm sure we're going to talk about the wide receiver position, which is another huge question mark of how many people you keep. And it's amazing the 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 chat going on in YouTube right now, um, and our good friends uh, Ariel, who's been uh, one of our first listeners, going way back, going five years back. Um, you guys, you guys love the Raiders so much, but you can be so cold, man. He said he reminds him of Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's cold. Oh, that's cold. Uh, but that's that's how it goes. Um, uh, Stackanova, I feel for Leatherwood. He has more talent than how he has played. He may just need a fresh start. You know what? I, I agree, man. I, I think that, Mo, we talked about that a couple of shows ago, actually. Sometimes sometimes guys do. And that's why when some of the trade rumors came around for the Raiders with Win on the Patriots and uh, some other players, uh, people were like, well, why would you want him if he's not playing well somewhere else? That That's true. Sometimes guys, look, Leatherwood was drafted by a completely different GM, different coach, different system, who, and they asked him to play out of position. So, yeah, he he might be soured on Vegas, not his fault. And so that's something that you always have to consider. Fans get hard, and I understand that you just want your team to win. But, Mo, that's that's a reality for some guys. And I wouldn't even say maybe he's soured on Vegas. I think, and I, this is understated, I think what happened with him last year might have hurt his confidence. Keep in mind, he played four games at right tackle. Moved inside, showed had a couple had a few good games. I'm gonna reiterate this. I'm gonna say this into the mic again. Everyone's trashing <laughs> Alex Leatherwood right now, but I actually think he's a decent run blocker, and mm-hmm. I think he can find some place in the league as a as a decent run blocker. Now you're terrified when he has to protect your starting quarterback, but he can open up some lanes on the interior. But back to my point about last year, when you move a guy, when he struggles, a rookie comes out of the gate, he struggles out of the gate. Then you move him inside, doesn't show a lot of growth. 
has a few bright moments, but not enough. And then he comes back to camp, he struggles. I think part of it is in his head. I think yeah. the confidence with him is very low at this point. And that's that's where it comes in, where you may need a change of scenery, where you could start kind of a fresh new chapter and just kind of start over because you had a rough starting wherever wherever you were drafted. But a lot of people will bring this up on social media. It's not his fault he was drafted 17th overall by Gruden and Mayock. It's mm-hmm. Gruden and Mayock's fault that they drafted him that high and had these expectations that he couldn't live up to. Absolutely. And, and we'll see. And again, you know, you, he's a young man. He's got talent. Uh, you wish him the best. Hopefully, if, if, if Josh McDaniels thinks he can reach him, that's what it comes down to. If it is a mental issue, which it appears to be, you know, just him struggling, uh, if he thinks he can reach him, then he'll, they'll probably keep him on the roster if, if they have to. Or we'll see what else happens. Mo, also on offense, um, I was a little surprised seeing Keelan Cole out there as much as I did. Were you? Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up uh, in this conversation is that he was playing, you know, deep into the fourth quarter, uh, catching passes from Garbers. I I expected him to be the number three, four guy at wide receiver. I actually think if he makes the roster, he's going to have more catches and more receiving yards than Mac Hollins. But here's the caveat here with Keelan Cole, and this is why I want to prepare Raider fans listening to us on YouTube, wherever they're listening. If Keelan Cole is cut, it's probably because of special teams. He hasn't played a lot of special teams during a regular season in, in recent years. DJ Turner can play special teams, returner, punt returner, kick returns. He can do all of that. Keelan Cole, that's that's not his thing. So let's say if it comes down to it and and Tom McMahon, the special teams coordinator, says, I need a guy on special teams who's going to you know be one of the core guys, DJ Turner is going to get the nod over Keelan Cole because of his experience on special teams. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that, yeah, that surprised me. Uh, the other thing was go switch to the defensive side. Cleveland Farrell. Um, we we have some some viewers who were who were uh, chatting saying that they thought he looked pretty good. Um, I I didn't think he looked bad. I just didn't think he looked impactful. And so uh, as a guy on the roster, okay, fine. And I know the number's big. It's ten point eight million. I think we 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 talked about uh, on yesterday's show, the mailbag show. Um, but, mm-hmm. but what was your thoughts on him? I, I mean, listen, I know he was hurt, but I just didn't, see, again, I don't, when you can see a flash with a guy and he can play okay. Uh, and so he might make the roster cause they got to pay him. Uh, but, but I was not impressed, nor did I think, wow, maybe Cleveland Farrell's on the track to being a much better player. Well, there were one or two times early in the game where he, he didn't hold contain on, on a rundown. Yeah. And usually that's his, uh, his strength, um, defending run support but like you uh, he didn't really stand out but i i get it because he's been out since i believe he was like july 30th so i i, I mean yeah, i didn't expect time. much from him i i think the point was to get him out there before the regular season because he's missed so much time i actually think he's gonna make the roster because as you pointed out like leatherwood they, they just owe him so much money and there and he has virtually no trade value because he's been on the decline since his rookie year so i i don't i don't see who's gonna want him but I think he still has a chance to come on during the season, not come on and make a major impact, but he's going to be one of those guys that rotates between the interior of the defensive line and lines mm-hmm. up outside. The scary thing about him lining up on the outside is that Malcolm Kuntz and Tashawn Barr have looked good. And I pointed this out in the last show. Behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, the Raiders have Kuntz and Bauer, if he makes the roster. Those two guys being your depth behind your starters looks pretty good considering how they how those two guys performed in the preseason. Yeah, I mean they 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 have been a surprise uh to say the least. 
But you're right. I mean, it looks good. I can't imagine Bauer not making the team, but we'll see. You never know what happens because uh, there could be moves being made. I thought that was interesting. Matt Millen, Matt Millen made the point, as did Rich Gannon, around the Raiders' crowded wide receiver room and crowded running back room. And because of the time between now and when final cuts have to happen, that the Raiders might be able to move some of those guys or one of those guys mm -hmm. in a trade mm -hmm. versus a cut because there might be a team's desperate for running back sees that the Raiders are loaded. And this is, this is why I talk about this Mo. Uh, and it was a great observation by them on the TV broadcast, but this is the difference when you have a grade, a superior uh, evaluation team in the front office of the Raiders, right? Because you have filled this roster. And I've seen the chat on YouTube right now and on Facebook talking about how, boy, we're going to have to really cut some guys that are pretty good players. And that's what happens, though. This is what we've talked about for weeks on the show, which is that's what you want. You want to have as much talent as you can. It increases the level of competition. You get the best guy you need for your system. Uh, and then it also gives those other players that don't make the squad an opportunity. But the difference in talent evaluation, my friend, has just blown my mind compared to the last three or four years. Here's the interesting take I have. I, I think I think the Raiders may try to trade Keelan Cole, and that's why you saw him so late. I think it's uh -huh. gonna wind up being Adams, Renfro, Mac Collins, who who they've saved for the week for week one, so we know he's safe. Tyron Johnson, as Murph pointed out, adjusting to that big catch, I think was huge for him because yeah. he could be that big play receiver that gives him the speed at the position. And then the fifth guy, I think if it's if it comes down to special teams, I'm going to repeat myself. DJ Turner probably gets the nod over Keelan Cole because of because of his involvement on special teams. And teams probably see the value in Keelan Cole because he has starting experience with the Jaguars. He has some he has some great games, oh, not great, but some good games with the Jets last year. So he has the starting experience. Other teams that need a wide receiver or need a number two guy, they may be interested in the Keelan Cole because I'm, I'm going to tell you on the opposite sideline. Nelson Aguilar could be on the way out of New England, so we'll see. There's going to be yeah. a need for wide receivers because, as you know, this offseason with wide receivers getting paid, that's become a premium position. So the Raiders may be able to get something for Keelan Cole, keep Tyron Johnson, keep DJ Turner as a special teams contributor. No doubt. Uh, it's it's it, The league, especially with how it's gone, wide receivers are always in demand, and uh, mm -hmm. I think Dave Ziegler – did an amazing job of, of stocking this roster with players to compete to get to the best that they can. Now, the offensive line still has question marks, but uh, you know if you get some draft capital there too, uh, you're able to, I think, make some moves. And I still think the Raiders aren't done offense. I just don't believe that they're done. I think they're going to do something. I don't know what it is or who it is, but there's going to be an opportunity out there with another team uh, with a pick swap or something to do that, and then we'll see what they do. Uh, with Alex Leatherwood, Mo, what else stuck stuck out for you tonight? Uh, defense obviously was was really really good. Even the defensive backfield, uh, again, we saw Webb play well a couple times. He made I think a couple critical errors, but overall he played well again. Really trying to fight for that spot. Yeah, I think Webb is going to go on the practice squad as well. I know some fans are calling for him to uh, make the main roster, but you got. You know, some young guys at the top of the roster at the cornerback position. I just don't think he makes it. Um, but practice squad is a developmental player. I, I think he's worth it. Darian Butler, the guy I've been tooting a lot. I, I said in the last show, uh, because of his missed tackles, I have to rewatch the game today. I didn't see any um, on the broadcast. But 
have to watch it back. I think he's also going to be on the practice squad because I think Luke Masterson basically sealed his roster position mm-hmm. today. And not just because of interceptions, because he's actually been pretty good throughout the whole preseason. I think that was just the exclamation point. And it was pointed out during the broadcast that his contributions on special teams, big plus for him because your fourth linebacker has to be active on special teams, and that's where he was tonight. He does. Matt Millen did a great job of talking about that because he talked about when he was a young linebacker and playing yep. special teams for the Raiders as yep. well. So it, it's sort of a rite of passage at that position, uh, and, and it gives you the opportunity to make the team, right, which is huge because not only has he played well at his position, but he has done a, a really um, great job at uh, special teams for the Raiders. Um, when you look at everything else in this game, I mean, to me, that defense, I was so focused on the defense because they played so well, especially early on. The game obviously dragged on, uh, and there was a lot of back and forth without a lot of scoring, and the Raiders put together some uh, nice opportunities. But again, I mentioned the one penalty for 10 yards, the four turnovers, Mo. This is something Raider fans have been waiting oh, over a decade for, which is a team that actually creates turnovers. Now, I know it's in the preseason, but all the indications are that this team is going to be much better, has been coached to be more disciplined about the takeaway. And let's not poo-poo all the takeaways. Um, just no. remember, Luke Masterson's interception was off Mac Jones. The, the Patriots played their starters. The, the Raiders back yeah. up were getting the best of the Patriots starters you know, for the first part of that first half. So let's not just say, okay, it's just a preseason. I think there's something to be had talked about here, but... If you're getting turnovers, your defense getting on the field, you don't have to depend on going three and out. I think that's a positive sign, especially when you have question marks at cornerback. How good is your young cornerback crew? Uh, Anthony Averett, Trayvon Mullen did not get a lot of snaps in the preseason. So you rock y'all sin as well. Not didn't get a lot of snaps in the preseason. So you're hoping those guys can develop quickly, but you at least know that you have a pass rush and now you're starting to force turnovers. So it's a good sign for your defense. But I just want to get back to the offensive line because I know that's what a lot of Raider fans want to talk about. That offensive line right now, and it was mentioned throughout the broadcast, and Murph mentioned it, you mentioned it, and I'm going to talk about it now. There are question marks on that right now. What we're going to do, because Lester Cotton hasn't looked impressive recently. Obviously, we talked about Leatherwood. I think the Raiders go out and get a guard and get a tackle either via yeah. trade or signing. I think they address both positions on the right side because you have to look at it this way. With the offensive line you put out there, most of the time you put out your first team offense, you kind of shuffle things around. Are you comfortable putting Derek Carr back there behind that offensive line? And my answer right now is no. no. And you have all these weapons. You do not want to waste all these weapons by getting your quarterback injured or hurt behind a shaky offensive line. So I think, and Dave Ziegler knows this, the offensive line arguably the most important unit on a football team, not excluding the quarterback because that's one man. But as far mm-hmm. as units are concerned, multi-man units, your offensive line is the engine of your offense. If your offensive line isn't clicking, you have problems in the run game, which we saw last year, and you have problems protecting your quarterback, which means you're making a lot of mistakes, not scoring a lot of points, and it could lead to turnovers. So I think they get a guard and get a tackle before it's all said and done. Yeah, it's, it's the one glaring issue that could prevent Mm -hmm. this team, especially to your point on offense from, from reaching its full potential, whatever that is. Okay. And so they have to address it. And I think you're right. I think Dave Ziegler, you know, as, as people who cover the team and as fans out there that are watching and listening to us now, you get impatient. You want them. Okay. Why haven't they done it already? Well, 
there's going to be a lot of guys cut loose, number one, so you're waiting for that. But then I'm sure they've had discussions, right? So they, there are teams looking to trade offensive linemen because of where they're at in the situation or they have a guy in a relationship that's untenable. And so they're going to look to do that. And so this team, I think, as if you watch how they perform, so this is Scott being a little bit of the really glass half full guy, uh, which is if you look at how they performed in the preseason with their backups, with some of their starters at other positions, you have to be very encouraged by the Raiders. So if I'm Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, I'm saying, hey, you know, we get our guys in there. We have the potential to be as good as we think we can be. Then we got to make sure that we keep our quarterback uh, on the field. And and you're right. Derek Carr behind that right side. Boy, I, I, if, if, if you go into opening day with that right side right now and what they have on the roster – Boy, it's it's going to be tough because Mo, that's that nationally, that's what everybody's saying, and that's why people were mm-hmm. wondering why are the Raiders ranked last in the AFC West when people pick the the AFC West, which I think is a little much, but nonetheless, it's because of the right side of the offensive line. It's that important. It's that important. But there are two things I want to point out here. First, I want to say shout out to Jackson Barton. I think I don't think he's getting yeah. enough buzz. I think he's going to be the Raiders' swing tackle. I think he's going to be what the Raiders thought they would get out of Brendan Parker being the previous Raider team, uh, the previous Raider regime, I should say. Probably felt like Brendan Parker was going to be their swing tackle. I think that could be Jackson Barton because not I think not a lot of people have talked about him, but he's played more so on the left than the right as a st- as a fill-in for Colton Miller. Of course, we know Colton Miller is going to start at left tackle, but I think Jackson Barton getting all those reps on the left side is good because he could play both positions. Didn't play a lot of right tackle, but I think he can he can swing. And he could be the guy that the previous regime thought Brendan Parker was. The other thing is, with Parham starting over Jack, um, John Simpson in the last preseason game mm-hmm. and in the joint practices against the Patriots, there's a possibility we can get Parham and John Simpson both starting at left and right guard. I, you know, they can flip them maybe, maybe flip John Simpson to right guard, Parham at left. Parham has played both guard positions at Memphis. Maybe he plays on the right and John Simpson stays on the left. But Lester Cotton's stock has dropped after he had a pretty good spring OTAs. First couple of games look pretty good. His stock is dropping. So the Rays mm-hmm. may be a little nervous about him. So I can see them saying, okay, we'll start John Simpson and Dylan Parham, who, by the way, they just drafted in the third round as their top draft pick, and keep John Simpson out there because he has the starting experience and say, okay, we, we're going to continue to develop Lester Cotton, and he's going to be the first guy off the bench on the interior at the guard position. Yeah. Uh, our good friend uh, uh, Stekanova says, Mo, who are they cutting on the offensive line then? If you go get a tackle and a guard, uh, then only seven of the current offensive line make the team. Who are you cutting? Good question. Good question. But um, I will say it, it also depends on how many offensive line they're going to keep on the roster. I do mm-hmm. think Brandon Parker and uh, Mumford could go on IR. Yeah. So remember, when you move players to the IR, it clears up a spot. Those guys since they've been hurt, haven't practiced. And of course, Josh McDaniels is not going to share the news on the nature of the injuries, but they're probably a ways away from coming back. And if a guy's maybe three weeks from coming back, the Rays will put that guy on IR and clear up a spot for, for some new additions. Yeah. No, it's good. Good point. Good point. What else stuck out, Mo? Any other players uh, on offense or defense that caught your eye in what could be their last game in the silver and black? 
Uh, these two players, not necessarily, it's not going to be their last game in silver and black because they're going to make the roster, but it was good to see Neil Farrell Jr., the fourth round pick, yeah. and Matthew Butler, the fifth round pick, make some plays. I was critical of the interior of the Raiders defensive line in the first few preseason games. I felt like without Jonathan Hankins, the interior wasn't doing enough. It was good to see Neil Farrell Jr. find a spark there, and at the end, Matthew but Butler coming in and making a play. So those two guys are going to continue to develop. It gives you some confidence about the interior that they don't have to go out and spend eight, $9 million on Dominican Sue. I know some Raider fans want to, want to bring him in anyway, because he's an upgrade, but the mm -hmm. young players showing something in the preseason was a positive sign. Yeah, definitely. I'm just, again, I'm just so enamored with the way in which this team operates with the way it, it's disciplined, the way, and, and I think it was Rich Gannon or Matt Millen who called out, how conditioned they were. And I, you know, that's something that kind of slipped my mind. I didn't really pay attention to it as much as I should have. But if you looked over the course of these four preseason games that they played, uh, you never saw guys winded. Uh, and that included the quarterbacks. You saw the quarterbacks all use their legs, all extend plays. Uh, you saw the running backs running hard. You saw even the offensive linemen, although they didn't always play well, you never saw anybody with their hands on their hips. And the same went for the defense. And, and to me, that's such an important thing because that shows investment and, and buy-in. Buy-in on what McDaniels and his staff have instituted there as well. Also, uh, the same vein there, Mo, that defensive system. We talked earlier several weeks ago about Patrick Graham's defensive system. But those players that are playing, even these guys that we got to third stringers on this defense— they all were in the right. You never saw under Gruden. It would drive me nuts. You would see guys and they'd be somewhere where they shouldn't be on an island, like with, with their head in the clouds. I mean, it happened a lot. I'm not, I'm not picking on the former coach. I'm just saying it happened a lot. I have not seen any of that this preseason. Haven't seen it either. And I think the one word that needs to be bolstered is communication. And I think they talked about it during a broadcast and we can't pick that up from our our homes you have to kind of be closer to the field to, to see and hear this but the communication between players i think is a lot better now that probably goes to the teaching method of, of patrick graham like you said not to downgrade or talk down on any other coaches but his teaching style seems to be translating and it's and it's working for the players who are communicating with each other on the field because if once your communication breaks down on the defensive side of the ball you're going to have those holes you're going to have busted coverages and that's when you see open field and big plays for the opposing team yeah no, no question. Uh, other good point was no major injuries again, which was a, a, a huge thing. I mean, coming out of the preseason and it's, it's why a lot of coaches don't start starters anymore. We saw the Patriots go with their first team offense and defense tonight for a little bit. Now I understand why the Boston writers are also negative about the Patriots, by the way, they looked rough in the preseason. But um, the other thing is really the Darren Waller situation. Murph in the first segment, if you guys missed it, go back and watch it. He joined us live from Allegiant stadium after the game. And Murph was saying a lot of the fans still talking about, still talking about Darren Waller, not being there. We know Darren Waller fired his agent at the end of the week, so he's got to wait five days until he does an agent. That, to me, says he wasn't happy with what his agent was do doing to negotiate. It doesn't mean he's got any problem with the team, per se. It just means, perhaps, that he has a problem with the way his agent was negotiating. But the longer this lingers, if this goes to week one and, and there's still some contention now, if he gets back at practice, I think things start to calm down. Um, are you still not worried? On a scale of one to 10, my concern meter, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest, it's at a three. 
Okay. And I'll so explain why. Yep. Yep. Still very low, and I'll explain why. And it's not because of his contract situation, because I feel like at, at the end of the day, when it come push come to shove, the Rays will be able to give him a slight immediate pay raise for the 2022 season to keep him satisfied and just keep him on the roster and say, look, we gave you a pay raise, but we need you back on the field because let's not forget this. Darren Waller last offseason had an ankle issue that lingered into the season. Then he had the IT band strength. So he's been banged up over the past year. These yeah. injury issues with Darren Waller didn't just start when the contract uh, talk started up. He Last year, he was banged up, missed a big chunk of training camp, missed a big chunk of the offseason program, and then he was hurt all of last year. I think with the new regime coming in, they want to see him healthy for a long stretch before they pay him the big bucks on a multi-year deal. So you can come to a middle ground and say, look, we want to see you healthy. We want to see you on the field for a stretch of games before we pay. you got to understand it from the business side. If you can do that, then we'll talk again at the end of the at the end of the season, or maybe in the middle of the year, you can pay Waller at any time, essentially that extension. But right now, what we could do is we can give you a small salary bump and we'll see what you do during the season. Because keep in mind, Waller's 29 years old. So you want to make sure you're investing in a player that's going to be durable at his age. And I know some people are gonna say, well, didn't play a lot in his younger years, but it's not about the biological age. As I said, he's been banged up, he's been banged up since last year with different injuries. As yeah. I said, ankle, IT band, now hamstring. So you're worried about that. You're worried about his availability before you pay him. Yeah, I had a fan uh, message me and say, why do you always say that he's got injury issues because he's only missed X number of games? He missed the six last year, of course. And say like, that's not the point, though. The point isn't just missed games. The point is you're not 100%. And that goes back into the to your point about the last year. And so that's not to knock Darren Waller, who's an amazing, yeah. talented, top three, top two tight end in the league. It's just fact. And so if you're a team, you're going to be leery of investing unless you kind of see that he can go out there and do it and, and remain consistent and made available because that availability is everything. And so that's it. Was he at the game tonight? I didn't see any indication he was. Murph seemed to think that he wasn't. I don't think they saw him on the sideline. I know we had somebody in YouTube asking us if he was at the game tonight. Uh, apparently not. Uh, but but we don't have confirmation of that. So I'm just going off of what Murph said. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I'm sure somebody will talk about it somewhere uh, overnight and into the morning as we uh, talk through this Raiders game and their 26 to three win over the New England Patriots. Well, well, the fake games are over. Now comes the difficult part. If you're Dave Ziegler, if you're Champ Kelly, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're the scouting staff. You know, this is tough. I think, you know, they were they were quick on the broadcast to make mention of, well, they kind of know who their roster is. And I'm sure they kind of do. But I'm sure the bottom five guys, there's probably some question. And that's what tonight was about was did somebody make an impression? And you mentioned a couple of the names earlier. But this is this is a great position and a very difficult position for these guys to be in. Uh, and and for them, knowing that they have to spend some time effort, money, and maybe capital and players on addressing the offensive line issue. Um, I don't know that they'll spend a ton of time uh, wrangling over any of these guys, but certainly it's a good position for them to be in with the talent that we saw during the preseason. Yeah, as you mentioned, and if you've been around covering the league long enough, you know a lot of players and a lot of coaches may allude to this. But the top 46, 48 positions are already mailed and delivered already. It's the last four or five spots that are open that guys are competing for. And you're also maybe showcasing guys <coughs> goal for yeah. other teams. So 
that's what the last preseason game is for if you're not going to play your starters. But I think they mentioned just during the broadcast, for the most part, guys know if they're making the team or they're on shaky ground and may not make the team. You get one or two surprises. Um, I think last year the surprises were, I believe, John Brown not making the roster. Some people were surprised about that because of the dead money they had to eat. Mm -hmm. I, I'm getting John Brown vibes with Keelan Cole. Now, I hope he makes mm -hmm. the roster because I think he can contribute, but I, I think – it was a little bit of a Kenyon Drake situation where they're showcasing him because he has the experience and they're like, look, we, we got Keelan Cole. He's pretty good. You're going to give him something. You're going to give us something for him. So just seeing him in the fourth quarter, deep into the fourth quarter in the, in the last preseason game was, as you said, was surprising. So I think that that may shock some people, but if you want to tape it to show, I'm telling you it, it, I could see it happening where he gets moved, but I, I, Good players are going to be cut, and I'm sure there'll be players that that get cut, go elsewhere, and contribute. Good for them. They were able to audition today, and there will be good players that clear waivers, and you'll be surprised that they clear waivers, and they'll be on the practice squad, and the Raiders will be able to protect them because, again, the Raiders can protect, and every team could protect four players mm -hmm. on the practice squad every week. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one, and I know, I know, uh, there, there's these guys. I think Murph mentioned it earlier. These guys, to a man, I mean, everyone's played hard. Like, you see it. it, it in yep. previous years, I think you saw some guys tail off because they knew they were going to make the team or whatever. The vibe, the culture, and I know culture is a buzzword these days, especially in sports, but it's really true in this case. It is really different, and you're seeing these guys all fight. I mean, the fight you saw tonight up until the last whistle and the fumble recovery, mm -hmm. you know, this was, mm -hmm. this was a team – that just from whistle to whistle. And you know what, Mo? That's what you have to do to win. This is what the Raiders have done. They've done so many things to come close to win, and they could never close it out. I don't think this team will go undefeated. This team will have losses. But this team is wow. not going to go down because they give up. They're going to play until the whistle blows because that's what Josh McDaniels demands. Scott, you didn't hear Murph before he left. Seventeen and zero, Scott. <laughs> the Raiders are going seventeen and zero. They were the perfect fan. in the preseason. Yeah, they went. They went undefeated in the preseason for the first time in franchise history. They're going seventeen and zero. Don't mess with the good juju, Scott. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. But no, seriously. It, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the point about to your uh, statement about the players playing to the final whistle and the third stringers getting after it. Remember the Patriots and remember what Mark Davis said during Josh McDaniel's press conference. The Patriots are used to using guys that you've never heard of before. Some yes. dude from North Dakota State who's a, who's <laughs> who started off as a third stringer, undrafted free agent, bounced around the league, been on eight practice squads, and now he's in the Super Bowl making the interception for the game winning play, for game winning play. And I think these guys see that and they see Uh-oh, we had Mo freeze up. You there, Mo? There we go. Well, he'll come. We'll get Mo back here in a second, everybody. Uh, but uh, that uh, he, the, the New York City Internet must have must have collapsed on him uh, because it gets busy out there. But but it's to the point. He's right. You would look at the Patriots, what they've been able to do, the talent they've been able to go get. These are guys you never heard of. I mean, remember when you when you saw Wes Welker, I mean, he got cut, I think, from two teams. Then you had guys like Amendola. You had all these guys uh, who just came out of nowhere because the Patriots took a chance on them. Hey, Mo, you're back. Um, too busy on the internet in New York. You know what happened? My phone died. 
<laughs> I'm busy running my mouth about Josh McDaniels and his and his culture. Phone dies, yeah. so Wi-Fi goes down. But but, but yeah, and you've been you've been working all night covering the whole league too. So I'm sure your phone was was jamming. Uh, but but continue your point. I was while, while you were out and I was single. I was talking about just the fat, the no name guys, the Wes Welkers, and all these guys yeah. that they always seem to find. So you it goes to show you you don't always need the you know top two draft pick the top uh, two rounds of draft picks that is that you can go and if you can evaluate talent well for your system and for your culture they have to fit in personally too there's that piece of it it's not just the talent on the field that's why some of those guys who were b-level talent performed like a-level talent because of the situation they're in yeah so before i was so rudely interrupted by my dying (laughs) phone uh players understand where josh mcdingles come from comes from in new england and you know, they had a guy, Malcolm Butler, make the game-winning play in the Super Bowl. Malcolm Butler was an undrafted free agent. So these players are looking at it like, look, if I play hard, even in the last preseason game, I'm a third stringer, eventually I could get my opportunity to make a big play in a big game. And I think having that mentality certainly helps versus, oh, not to say Gruden did this, but not versus, oh, the coach is going to play favorites. He's going to have his guys. There's certain guys he's going to like no matter how hard I play. I'm always going to be behind a guy that the coaching staff likes. And this situation is kind of wide open where if you make plays, eventually you can have your opportunity to have your, your time in the spotlight. Yeah. And Greg on YouTube brought up a good point that I want to bring up uh, shout out to Greg. Thanks for doing that. Uh, he said, yeah, there's also some culture carryover. I wouldn't say culture, Greg. The only thing I would, that I would disagree with you on there is the adversity that the veterans, the Derek Carrs, the the Josh Jacobs, all these guys that had they had last year, and frankly the last couple years, I think also has added to that because those veterans that are there, the guys that aren't new to the roster, they were ready for that 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 sweeping change to start over with somebody who was really good at what they did, i.e. Dave Ziegler, and then Josh McDaniels, who took a different approach, a much more structured, disciplined. Uh, accountability approach. And so they were ready for that. And so, so I think Greg's right, Mo. I think that it's the combination of those two things and that's actually perfect, right? You have guys there already who've been through the the war in the trenches uh, on and off the field with this franchise. And now you inject it with that new positive and talent laden roster. And that combines well. A mix of grade-A talent and some hungry guys who are trying to make their way in the league. When you have that type of mix, that could be that could create some magic because what you have is some established players who you can count on week to week, and you have some guys that say, look, this is my last chance. Like Jermaine Illuminar, he stood in front of the podium a couple of weeks ago and said, look, this is probably my last chance to be anything more than a backup. Right. And you see how his approach has changed this year under Josh McDaniels. And he's probably going to be your starting right tackle because he woke up and said, look, this is probably my last opportunity. And it's worked out for the better for him because he's played well this preseason. And I think he'll be a solid starting right tackle, though I still do think they need another guy at the position. Jermaine Illuminar is probably going to be your week one starter on that side of the line. Absolutely. No, that's great. But uh, again, another good performance by the Raiders done a great performance. I can see why you're all excited out there. You're lighting up the chat uh, on all the channels we're on tonight. We're actually live across Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, everywhere. So we appreciate you guys with your comments tonight uh, and doing that. Uh, We're going to wrap up the show. Mo, we'll be back. We're going to again, as I said, I said last week incorrectly because we went usually we go Tuesday, Thursday postgame. Uh, last mm-hmm. week and then Friday with a mailbag. But uh, last week we went Wednesday because of the cuts. Well, again, cuts are coming up on a Tuesday. 
So we'll have another show that are delayed. So we'll be back this week and we'll kind of talk about, and we'll, who knows, maybe we'll have some transactions to, to react to, but we'll break down a little bit more what we saw in the game film when Mo and I both watch it again because I, I, I gain, I swear, 200% more knowledge watching it the second time than I do on the first round, Mo. So it'll be fun. But we'll, we'll get into that, and we'll, we'll see what else happens with this team. We also want your mail again. The mail, the shows are, are incredibly popular. We love answering the questions. We have amazing listeners and viewers. I mean, in the chat, you should see the discussion. It's fantastic. Uh, but we get the questions, too. You can mail us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Put in your name, address, because if you uh, come in, we're going to send you a show sticker. And if we pick your question as the best question of that show, we're going to send you a T-shirt, right? We've already given away two T-shirts. So now we'll be on our third. So do that. Uh, it's one of the show T-shirts. I'll wear it next time so people can see it. Uh, shout out to our friend Mario. I'm wearing his Raider Ramble T-shirt tonight. Um, shout out to Mario so far. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so we'll be back, Mo, this week. I'm sure we'll have another busy week. I can't wait to get to the regular season so we can start to preview that. And that's what we'll get to. We've got to preview the Chargers. We've got to preview. That's a huge game. The Raiders play three of their division rivals in the first five weeks before a bye week. It's going to be a hell of a start to the season, Mo. Yeah, and our next show, just to touch on that, is not just any cut day. This is the final. We're getting down to the final 53 right now. So by the time you see us again, the Raiders will have their somewhat of their final roster because you know they're probably going to be you know, some post moves after, mm -hmm. after the 53, because guys are going to, as I said, guys are going to move to the IR, which is going to open up a spot. You may get one or two trades. I wouldn't be surprised because Dave Ziggler has been wheeling and dealing. So there's going to be a lot to break down next time you hear us on silver and black today. Yes. But I know you'll all be here to help us. You'll correct yes. us. You'll give us great feedback. You'll give us And we love it, man. We, we are so excited every time we get to interact with you and the post game shows we get to do live as well, which is nice because we can uh, check in on the chat. And uh, Ariel, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He's saying good show. And thanks to everybody in there in the chat. We try to get to questions when we can. Obviously, it's fast moving. We're coming up here now on almost an hour with this show. So we appreciate you guys staying with us uh, throughout the whole thing. And we will do this every game. We will have a post-game show live here on all the channels where you can catch Silver and Black today. Make sure you do us a favor to make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the audio side. So when you're driving to work, taking the train to work, walking to work, taking the bus, however it is you get to work in the morning, um, make sure you do Even if you're cooking breakfast for the kids, the wife, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, whatever, download it on audio. Apple's where most of you get it, of course, uh, on Apple Podcasts, but you can get it on Spotify, wherever you get your stuff. You can ask, hey, Alexa, play Silver and Black today. <laughs> It'll play it, right? We're on there, too. So you can listen to us anywhere you do that. Also, subscribe here on the YouTube channel. Tell your friend about us. Have them come watch the show and hit the notifications bell. Very important so that you're notified when we go live. We want to thank again our buddy Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. Make sure you follow their channel on YouTube as well. He came to us live from Allegiant Stadium. If you missed that, go ahead and rewind the show and check it out. It was fun. He was pumped up. And I'm sure he is on the strip right now having a nice adult beverage with his wife and having a good time in Las Vegas. So thanks to him. And of course, Mo, thanks to you as always, man. I know it was a busy night for you um, covering the league and covering the Raiders, uh, but always fun to mix it up here and talk Raiders football. 
Yeah, and it does it end right after I get off of this. I, I actually got to move some furniture and I got to put together a 53-man roster. So my Ooh. day is only halfway over. <laughs> so so Mo's Friday is actually Friday and Saturday. He's working through. He's working through the night. Oh, yeah, man. I, I get it. All right, brother. Thank you so much, man. All right. For everybody here at Silver and Black today and at Odyssey, we thank you guys for joining us. Just phenomenal. Again, the participation in the chat and everything like that. We appreciate it. Again, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the channels wherever you watch us. We appreciate that. We'll be back with you this coming week. Enjoy the win, Raider Nation. Stay excited. It's going to be a fun season, I think, in Las Vegas and for Raider Nation. We'll talk to you next time. And as I always say, please take care of one another and be good to one another.